You're listening to Season 2 of NFT 365. Talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365. Here's your host and digital futurist, Brian Fanzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. Making sure we're recorded here on Zealous, and we're record- I'm recording here locally too as a backup. Um, but you know, for those that are, are tuning in, right, to kind of get a lay of the land, um, I guess the best way to, to kind of you know summarize this uh, from you know my standpoint is you know over the last nine months, um, you know nine months ago, I think if you would have told me that you know we would think about removing royalties from uh, the blockchain and NFTs, right, and royalties in the sense of uh, secondary royalties, right? Where when someone buys or sells an NFT, um, you know, on secondary, you know, no matter where where it was at the time, um, that there was a percentage that was baked in um, to the marketplace, uh, which this is part of the problem, uh, baked into the marketplace on the percentage that would be would be automatically given to the founders or the team or however the contract was actually written, and then we had uh, Sushi Swap, I, I believe, was kind of the Kickstarter of this whole thing. Is that, and I don't really blame them. Actually, I, I blame more of you. Know, like they have a really great interface and use case for what they're building, and um, but they were the first ones that kind of came and said, "Hey, since royalties aren't in the contract, we we will actually allow people to opt out of, of having to pay royalties when they buy and sell on Sushi Swap." And I remember it being like, I mean, it it was almost like the world, I mean, like it was it was unheard of. I think everybody was pretty dumbfounded by that news because the truth of the matter is I believe most people believed that royalties were baked into the smart contracts and rightfully so there was really no conversation you know when we had the free mints with the goblin town you know all of those things no one really had a conversation around oh this makes sense they're minting for free and they're going to get you know some some kind of in, you know some kind of revenue um, based on secondary sales but all of a sudden it was kind of sparked and said wait a second these things are can be you know can be worked around. They can be optional. Um, and then in October, uh, Blur rolled out, and I you know, I'm a fan of Blur. I actually love uh, what Pac-Man, their founder's vision is for that tool um, as a tool that's kind of like I would say advanced NFT trading, um, advanced NFT bidding, advanced NFT collection offering. But they also had the option of um, kind of moving around. Uh, royalties and making royalties uh, kind of optional. And, you know, they had some very interesting mechanics with their airdrop and a couple other things that existed. But, you know, all of a sudden, I think the conversation switched to, wait a second, are royalties too much? Like, or how much royalties are there? And then there was a conversation mostly led by those that are flipping, buying and selling um, for like day trading um, that said, why are royal? Why do we even have to pay royalties? We shouldn't have to pay for royalties on NFTs that we're buying in the morning and flipping in the afternoon for a, a quick amount. And um, I, for one, never expected that to even be kind of a conversation. And to fast forward to where we're at now, um, you know, OpenSea, whenever Blur came out and said that they were giving that option, um, OpenSea came out very loud and proud and said that you know, we stand with creator royalties, we are going to work with Manifold to make sure that we can bake them into contracts. Well, between then and now, OpenSea has changed their tune. Blur has actually came out and said they wanted people to block 
uh, OpenSea from from within the contract. So there's a lot of things that are happening here. And I want to kind of cover the conversation from a couple different angles. So Gregarious, I'm curious from your from your point of view, let's think of it from like the project founder business perspective, right? Because there's a couple different angles and I, I don't think people are doing a good job of like kind of dividing this up because I care about the founders. I care about the the creators. I care about the investors, but I also care about the day traders and the the flippers, right? So I think there's there's three different like kind of ways that this kind of impacts. Uh, Gregarious, from the founders perspective and kind of anything that I left out of in this royalty conversation, what's your take on kind of where we're at and like, I guess this whole journey to get us to get it to this point? Mm, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Benzo. And I, I think it's, uh, I, I think you sort of outlined, I think, part of the challenge, right? Which is that this is a massive ecosystem with a significant and sometimes divergent set of stakeholders, right? So you've got folks who are in this for short-term gain. You have folks that are in this because this is their livelihood. You have folks uh, that are in this because it's a long-term investment strategy. Um, and you've got folks that are mission driven, maybe, you know, um, trying to do a different, you know, trying to like accomplish something in the world. And then you've got entrepreneurs who are trying to build a business, you know, that has like scalability uh, and revenue and a, a number of things associated with it. So I think one of the the fundamental challenges that we're just sort of running into this wall of is that, you know, all the Wagme culture was sort of like an early important part of getting to here, right? But the reality is that we're all going to make it. What does that mean, right? Like who's the we, right? And what is making it mean? And I think there's a significant amount of tension sort of in that ecosystem, right? Um, that That is sort of at play here. And I think what's, what ends up happening is when we see these moves happening, what's really happening is, as this ecosystem matures, people are realizing that, hey, the things I need to be successful uh, look like this. And then other folks are saying, well, the things that I need to be successful look like this. And suddenly, you know, you know, we're, we're all at war or at odds with each other because we're basically, um, you know, doing different things for different reasons. And I think the problem is that not enough people are being honest about those truths. And we're still live a little bit underneath this umbrella, this wag me kind of umbrella, like web three represents some existential good, which I don't necessarily think is true per se, right? I think it represents uh, a significant number of virtues that I think are good. But do I think that, that, that this is a place that manifests all those things? No. Do I think that manifesting those things is an absolute necessity? No. Uh, do I think that most of the things that we hoped would be true will be true? No. Right. So, um, so I think that's sort of the place that we kind of find ourselves in now is we've got to come to grips with the, the diversity of motivations for being here. And ideally, you know, and you and I have talked about this, it seems like where we should be moving is to specialization and separation, um, for purpose or motivations, as opposed to what unfortunately seems like where things could be going is like some exodus to mass, <laughs> you know, decentralization, which actually will work to further decrease the viability of this ecosystem. 
So you're saying it's all good. Uh, we're all going to make it. Uh, everyone will be happy, and that the you know the future of this space is that we will all sing kumbaya and you know hold hands. Um, you know, I will say, you know, one of the things about this you know conversation that I think is so um, important that you kind of highlighted there was that you know the space has evolved in the sense of like where what type of NFTs are, where NFTs are, you know, even how to NFTs are are biz- building their business models. But I think sadly, there's a there's a different conversation happening around understanding like what what are priorities, right? And I think, you know, I I don't know, I I'm a, I don't like the idea that everyone has their own marketplace. And I just pinned up here for those that are listening um, in the Twitter space. If we are those are listening to the podcast, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but I just pinned up, you know, like I you know I had bought an NFT on 18 different marketplaces, right, over a year. And it was a nightmare to find them. I mean, two of the NFTs right now, uh, it it will it would take me 45 minutes to go figure out where the marketplace is, what wallet I have to connect to it. So like, I found that out across blockchains. But we're just even just talking about Ethereum blockchain as a whole. When I started to sell my own AI art, right, and right now my art is on four different block, uh, four different marketplaces, and f- well, four plus OpenSea, I guess would be the like, would be you know all of or three of the four automatically have it on OpenSea as well. But I'm actually using these four marketplaces because for a, a variety of reasons, which I outlined in a you know previous episode of the podcast, and I I kind of broke down. But that was like for me posting and wanting to sell my art. Now for me buying NFTs and for me buying. Um, you know, investing or even buying one of one art, there's another, I mean, there's probably another 10 and, uh, you know, Ethereum based platforms that I've bought NFTs on. And I think it's already a giant cluster. And so like the idea that we still are going to like silo and, and, you know, I think, I think the silos right now are probably the wrong silos to begin with, right? We have the wrong verticals that are, these marketplaces are set up on. Like there's not really a marketplace that is like music NFTs or a marketplace that is only AI art. Yes, there are some that are popping up, but let's face it, you can get on Super Rare, Known Origin, Foundation, uh, Nifty Gateway, Zora. I mean, I can I could just keep on naming ones that are available for art. But then we also have the ones that are kind of the the big players um, in the in the you know NFT PFP marketplace. And I think the other part of this that is also important to remember is you know Looks Rare came out of the gates kind of swinging uh, you know a little over a year ago. And I know some people that still use that platform, but, you know, I know for the most part, a majority of our listeners aren't familiar very much with Looks Rare. But then I know a lot of people are familiar with other tools that kind of, let's just say, kind of filter the marketplace. But for the most part, a majority of us are buying, trading, selling, posting our our NFTs for sale on OpenSea, right? And, and, you know, as much as people want to talk about the, the traffic on Blur, you know, those are the same people that are buying and flipping all day long. The 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 people, those of us that you know, let's just say that aren't um, day trading like a stock market, right? We're not waiting for our six percent gain or eight percent gain and flipping in and out and um, you know all day long. Majority of those people have been interacting on OpenSea and with OpenSea doing two things, right? OpenSea said that they're removing, you know, royalties are now optional, but they also removed their percentage fee for the the, the time be time being. And so now there's a lot of like wash trading there. I mean, I, I watched volume this morning um, on one collection uh, and it was pretty atrocious, like the amount of volume going back and forth. They were just buying it you know, from other wallets and then buying it back and forth and then reselling it for you know, minimal gains, if any gain at all, um, just to manipulate that vanity metric, which I think is a whole nother tangent that I happily will get on um, at some point. But Travi, I'm curious you know, from, from your take, you're a founder uh, of the journey. Um, you're also an avid art collector and an investor in many um, NFT projects as well. 
what was your kind of initial thought when you heard that like OpenSea, um, you know, averted course um, and decided, hey, we're going to give in to the the one category, right? The category of the the flippers that say, hey, we don't want to have to pay this ten percent or seven percent or five percent uh, royalties to these uh, these collectors. And OpenSea gave in; they they completely switched their their tune. But also Coinbase NFT just shut down, right? We know that the, the marketplaces and this whole market is a little bit weird, but what was your take initially, Travi, on this whole kind of shift? No, oh, initially I said, oh, great. <laughs> it's web two. Here we go all over again. But, but the reality is that, you know, I think a lot of us who were thinking about starting a project, especially over the last few months, saw the writing on the wall in terms of secondary, right? So, I made sure for the journey that the things that we wanted to do were going to be in place regardless of secondary royalties. But I have to say, as somebody who's really involved in wanting to support artists and support musicians in the way that, you know, you and I have talked a lot about, I think that it's really, it's, it's really a crummy situation right now. A lot of people are going to have to pivot, evolve, and then we are going to have siloed marketplaces. And in the short term, I think that's fine. I really think that's, if it benefits the artist, it's better that way. But here's the thing. OpenSea might be holding back on their fees right now, but they're not holding back on their fees for long. They're they're getting people involved, and then they're going to pump the fees back up just like they do when you when you sign a new cell phone plan or, like, you know, a, a new cable plan or something like that. You know, you, you have a short-term uh, time where you don't have these fees. So I think the question is this, right? Conceptually, us as collectors, what are we looking for? And you and I talked about it on, on episode 399, right, of NFT 365. When we were younger, we would pick up, you know, we, we, we would, uh, you know, record off the boombox or, like, record off the stereo and not really think about, you know, spending the, the money if we can get it for free. But I think Web3, as we evolve and our minds change and we kind of look at the world a little bit differently and we grow up a little bit, we see that there's a lot of things that Web3 is doing and it's allowing us to, you know, to have access to, to these, these wonderful minds, these artists, these musicians that we're able to support them in a very real way. And I think we're just going to have to continue to find ways to make sure that we support them. And then the projects that thought that they were going to be able to slide by with only secondary royalties are just going to have to be more creative. Um, but I do think we need to continue to find ways to support artists the best we can. Yeah. Um, so, Travi, number one, I, I agree. And I think that was, you know, I, I told fans, though, even when we were sort of like chatting about should we have this talk, that the innovation of royalties, I think, is is one of the best parts to my, in my mind about how Web3 has evolved in terms of supporting artists. But I would proffer that it makes sense for us to stop calling everyone and everything artists, right? Um so for example, I'll give you an example. Travi, you are a very creative person, but I would argue that your project is not art, right? Like your project has a much bigger cause, something way more valuable, um, not necessarily more valuable, but like a way bigger mission, right? Um, and I think like art maybe was a sales technique. You know, a lot of folks don't remember the Airbnb guys couldn't raise money from VCs and they sold cereal boxes, right? Um Art may be a product that we sell to bootstrap revenue, but that is much like, <clears throat> you know, Jay-Z selling tapes out of the back of his car, right? Like 
we aren't all artists. A lot of us are entrepreneurs. We just choose not to call ourselves that because it's web three. And I think like, just because you make art does not make you an artist per se, right? Like there are people who are artists and there are people who see a business opportunity with art, if that makes sense. Right. Like I would say Fanzo has discovered an artist in himself and he's not doing it for the money per se. He's doing it as an ex- as source of expression that makes him more of an artist than a business person. Right. But if he decided that the main reason he was making art was because he was trying to do, you know, to get a consulting practice around, you know, AI or whatever, maybe then I would consider him more an entrepreneur, you know, who is working with art as a medium for driving business. Right. And now I'm not saying that an artist can't be a business person. I'm saying if we all call ourselves artists, then we start to, you know, there's this like victimology potentially that happens. Whereas entrepreneurs get punched in the face every day, right? Like I, you know, Travi, Fanzo, they're my, one of my private, you know, close knit groups of people. They see the crap I grow through every day as an entrepreneur. Right. And there's no one making an excuse for it. There's no apologies for it. Like, you know, markets change. I'm building a crypto, a startup in web three. I have all the web three challenges plus all the normal challenges. Right. And there's no excuse. I don't ask for an excuse. I don't ask for forgiveness. Right. And I think like, we've gotten ourselves a little bit into this trap where we're sort of like, I, you know, we're, we're harmed being harmed. And like artists have been making more money than probably they ever have before. Some of them have never been able to monetize and they've been making money. I'm not saying they're not due their, their due for their royalties or anything like that. But I guess the point is, again, this is in that blurred thing where we keep, we're not calling things what they are. And unless we do that, it's very difficult to discern and separate them and then understand and practically evaluate how to make them better. I completely agree with you. And thank you for bringing that up too. And also thank you for being a holder of the journey, by the way. But I do have to say this. I, when I say artists, I'm talking about artists. I'm talking about musicians. I'm talking about fine artists. I'm talking about people who you know make a living from selling their art. Now, those are the people who I really love Web3 for them to continue to get royalties. Now, that's, that's what I'm saying with that. But the other piece, the entrepreneurial piece, the business piece, I'm, you and I align on that too, right? Because there was nothing in my NFT brand that was ever going to say, I'm running on secondary royalties. Actually, any secondary royalties we got, we were going to put into our grant program for the kids and some into the artist support fund to continue to support artists. But I think what we're seeing is this, like I was, I was thinking about this. Conceptually, what do we as buyers of NFTs want? We want to overall pay less fees. I don't think that you're, you know, you're seeing people here, you know, in in this Twitter space thinking like, well, I would really like to pay more fees to the marketplace and less to the royal royalty side or more to the royalty. Like I think people in general just want to be hit with less fees. So what we have to start to look at are the marketplaces that are allowing the people to get that, to pay less fees and really take a look at what are those fees going towards. Now, Something like OpenSea, if they're going to be cutting back or giving options for royalties, but still going to be continuing to collect for the marketplace fees, then we need to know that going in. But there's some that have been created that have less marketplace fees that are still enforcing royalties. So I just think we need to be a little bit from from the consumer side, like, what do we care about? And, and then move forward like that. And let's face it, right now... It is about as mucky as you could get when you're buying or or selling an NFT. For anyone that's bought or sold an NFT in the last 24 hours, 
it is really hard on OpenSea to know which projects are you know have royalties, who who's buying and selling with royalties enabled. Now, selling it's a little different, right? I, I sold an NFT today, um, and I you know the it it popped up and it, you know in the sale box it now says you have the option of choosing between zero and ten percent because that's what they had listed it for. Uh, of royalties to you know it, to be included in the sale of this uh, NFT. Now, I for one, like for me, like you know, one of the things just to kind of the pinpoint this, and I think this is also important. Like I believe that a majority of projects that we call rug pulls, but were really failed startups. A lot of them, you know, let, let's just be truthful. They didn't do a great job of monetizing or paying themselves or understanding how they could continue to add value. A lot of them were adding value, but then they had to pay bills and then there was taxes and there's things that kind of come on top of that. And so for me, part of the the biggest problem of this is, I mean, a great NFT project right now, like in this moment, is it's it's really interesting to kind of figure out how this all comes together because, and, and, and I do think it's important to separate like, you know, the the NFT. NFTs where utility is the art versus NFTs where utility have other, you know, components for what you're buying them for, right? And, you know, Sabit always says, who's, you know, my, one of my favorite artists in this space, you know, that for him, you know, art is, art is the utility, love is the roadmap is what his his tagline is, right? But there are other projects. And, and I think the, the, the sad truth is the projects that are really large right now, like I would say that the, the top 50 projects um, as far as trade volume, they're going to be fine, right? Because they've already, they, they've, They've been adapting other business models. They've been figuring out other ways to, to raise funds. I believe that medium to small range is in deep trouble. But to the point that, Greg, that you made and also, Travia, kind of piggybacks on what your side is, I've said this since day one. We have to remember what the hell the blockchain is for. And I firmly believe that we should be removing the starving from the starving artist. And the fact that we can actually add an, an ability for an artist to continue to make royalties on the work that they made each time it's sold, to me, is a fundamental way that will empower more artists in this world. And there are a lot of artists that have already made it. And I, 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 I pinned, uh, you know, in the Twitter space, and I'll read it right here for those listening, right, that, you know, Claire Silver, for those that aren't familiar, Claire Silver is pretty much one of the biggest names in AI art. She said, uh, I applied to Super Rare three times from December 2020 to January 2022 when I was accepted. And it was another five months till she had her actual first sale of her art there. And then the reason that she's pinning that is that she actually had a sale um, this weekend of 40 ETH plus, I believe is what, uh, actually I think she might have had two sales of 40 ETH uh, or more of her art. And, and I will say like, the idea that artists not only can, you know, will make their initial sale, but I do love the idea. Like I, I, I feel a lot, you know, I guess put it this way as well. Like if I'm re, if I am bought something and then I decide to sell it, knowing that a percentage of that goes back to the artist to me makes the selling of it a lot less like me, you know, me making it a jaded, you know, experience, right? Because the, you know, the blockchain does allow us to transfer this. The other thing that I think is, is part of this conversation is, and this is where Greg, I'm curious your take on this. Give me an example of a web three business model today that makes any damn sense because you're going to make me buy an NFT and then if you're going for you to have royalties, I need to pay you more money, right? Because if 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 there's no royalties on secondary, right, and and you're only getting kind of that initial mint fee, well, first of all, I think this this kills off free mints because well, unless I actually have I actually have another I have a great 
um, advice for those that are thinking freemen? Because I think freemen's aren't killed off, but they're killed off in the way that they were traditionally, you know, used in this space. But I do, I, I'm really concerned in the sense of, I'm afraid that this is going to be like the National Speakers Association. And for those that aren't a part of a membership like that, like I pay a yearly membership fee for the National Speakers Association. It's called NSA, but not the NSA that I used to work for when I worked for the government. The NSA is the National Speakers Association. And so I pay a couple thousand dollars to join that membership. I then have to pay a couple thousand dollars to join the local chapter here in Virginia if I went to attend the chapter meetings. I then have to pay a couple thousand dollars to attend the winter conference and a couple thousand dollars to attend the summer conference. Now to me, as maybe this is like a little bit of a generational thing, I think that's asinine. I think it's, because for me, part of what became really frustrating for me in 2018 was I was like, screw this. I'm going to pay, I'm going to not pay for a yearly membership. I'm not going to pay for my local chapter. And then I'll just pay the, the higher price to attend the conference. And what was, what was bestowed upon me was, well, Brian, that's not very speaker-like. If you, if you care about your fellow speakers and, you, and the people around you, you're going to invest in the membership as a whole. And, then, and, and so like, this, to me, is, is a step backwards. And I, I really do struggle right now to know very many NFT projects that have figured out, okay, what makes sense for buying and you know continuing to to pay the bills to continuing to pay their team if it's not front loaded off of a high mint price and if it's not just you know selling merch at you know like I I just got a I got an email 30 minutes before this space and it's a project that I really like a lot that I have in my bag. And they were like, hey, Brian, we have exclusive merch that is going on for sale. And it's a hoodie. And Travi, Travi and I are, are team hoodies. We, we, we're all about some hoodies. I know some other people in the audience, are, are they, they're kind of tired of hoodies. But I'm just going to tell you, the price of the hoodie, there was two options, $185 and $285. Now, I will tell you, that hoodie better be... 10x most comfortable hoodie that I have ever received in my entire life because maybe you saw on Twitter I got a Goblin Town hoodie which is pretty obnoxiously ugly which is perfectly you know it's really obnoxious and loud which fits my brand very nicely but I did not pay $180 for that and for me when I saw that email I was like oh shit this is what's go this is what we're going to result to so Greg I'm curious from your standpoint and and let's talk let's 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 kind of frame this on if you were if you had an existing NFT project that is not a top 50 project but it's a project that you're building that you care about right now and you 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 weren't relying 100% on secondary royalties but you were secondary royalties were paying a lot of bills and covering a lot of costs what is the business model for a medium small to medium sized NFT project right now that has a team of 6 to 8 people for them to keep their business going but also keep their owners happy, but also not make it to the point where like, why the hell would I buy the NFT? I'll, I'll just go pay cash for your webinar or I'll go attend your event. What's your take, Greg? <laughs> um, Solve the problem. Solve the problem yeah. for the world. So I, I don't think they have a, an out, right? I think, um, so here's the thing, right? Like if, if, we, if we took the art point of view, right? As artists, um, most artists continue to make art. They don't stop, right? So they don't like make one piece of art and then hope that that's going to carry them for the, the entirety of their life, right? Uh, most creators, for example, to the extent that, you know, um, NFT projects are creators on themselves, uh, you usually have multiple revenue streams, right? Everything from advertisers, sponsorships, 
uh, merch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? I think the average is something like seven revenue streams as a creator. Most SMBs start and form around a primary revenue stream. If your primary revenue stream was royalties, well then, you know, maybe that seemed like a viable strategy, but the reality is that every SMB, why SMBs are so terribly difficult to sustain is that they're really hard to run businesses. Like there's no easy restaurant to start. There's no uh, easy law firm, none of these things, right? All of these things are hard. Every, and I know you quote me on this all the time, but like something like 95 to 98% of all businesses like that startup fail. So this was never easy like before, and it's not going to be easy after, right? I think if you do not have a way to create something valuable in a repeatable, sustainable way, right? Um, then I think you run into a problem, right? Um, you know, and so that is the, you know, Paul Graham has this sort of idea that like, you know, a startup is really something looking for outsized scale, like something that can be repeated over and over uh, at a significant scale with significant margins. Most companies are not startups, by the way, right? Like they're not revenue or sort of like venture bound startups. Most businesses are SMBs, right? And so how do all other projects get going? People work on the site, they work on nights and weekends, right? Like they put all their spare time and funnel all their energy into something. They figure out something of value and then they start to slowly increase the amount of that that they can offer to the world, right? And so if you're an NFT project and you have not figured that out yet, then you only have one job, which is to figure that out, right? Like, is there something you can do that can provide uh, sustainable value to your holders, right? Um, but if you were literally, like you were saying, I think if you distinguish, if you were selling art, I, I mean, I have to, it begs the question, is there actually a responsibility beyond the art you delivered? Right? Like, like the roadmap. Cool. Nice to have, right? Like, great. Like, yeah, like, great. I like I like that you have plans. Um, we don't have a contract with anyone who made something right. Uh, the blockchain contracts are not legal contracts, right? Like they don't owe us anything technically beyond the thing they do. And I don't begrudge them for failing because I think like every day, all of us fail in one way or another, and it's really hard to get stuff right. And if you've never done it before, the odds that you knew what it took to be successful are pretty small. Well, so I, you know, and I, and I have to put out, you know, like one of the things that, this does play into, right? Is that, you know, if you pay royalties, then utility is unlocked, right? So like, I, I do believe now, right now, figuring out how does that get into contracts? How do we, how do we actually bake that in, right? And maybe, maybe there is a way, like I was already going through this in my own like project, my own mindset was like, if we, if we are able to trigger something that says, if this NFT was bought, via a you know a royal you know they paid the royalty that was that was there for this nft to be purchased airdrop this soulbound token into their wallet and as long as they still hold that nft keep that soulbound token and then we can just do our permissions where it says if this person has this nft and this soulbound token unlock this layer of utilities because they paid permissions right or they paid royalties and then those that didn't pay royalties they're not going to be airdropped the soulbound token to to so for them they can yes they can hold the nft but if if they're buying and selling it and flipping it they they don't unlock that additional utility now you know like that adds like another layer of complexity and also another little bit of confusion but i also think like 
I mean, I believe fundamentally in the blockchain, right? And I can't remember, it might have been Neil or it might have been Don Sergio earlier today. You know, they also brought up the idea that like, there is something to be said about, you know, building your your business, your brand. Actually, it might have been Itzo as well, one of the other members over there at Liquid, about the idea of like, you know, there's a lot of stock traders that started trading stocks for like that 1%, 1.5%, 2% gain and kept building, kept building, kept building, eventually built such a portfolio they could launch their own, you know, their own agency and then of course kind of build upon that. And so like I know for a fact that I, you know, I was watching traffic, right? And when Blur was was out there, there were a lot of people that were buying NFTs on Blur that were were gaining the seven percent because that that royalty was not included when they bought the NFT, and then going and selling it for seven percent higher on OpenSea, quote unquote, the exact same price. Um, and someone was buying on OpenSea, being like, "Wow, that person just bought it for the same amount they." You know, they they just sold it to me for the same amount they bought it for three hours ago, but really they didn't because they were able to you know short that on the seven percent on the other marketplace. And I understand that like that mentality, but for me, like the the core component that I think we're leading to is like why the hell does any of this matter on the blockchain? Because you know we we've known for a long while that a lot of this feature and functionality exists in Web two. The reason I believe the blockchain is so fundamentally different is that it allows transparent, authenticated, and and validated ownership. But it also allows us to have smart contracts and code that allows us to you know not only add and take permissions, but also be able to include things like royalties and things like um, you know like understanding you know proof of ownership, understanding um, the path to ownership, right? I still think one of the biggest misses in the entire NFT space is that projects should find a way to reward people that are still holding on to the NFTs that they minted on day one. Like if you're, uh, you were, you purchased on day one and you still hold it six months, a year later, that exact same NFT, like you should have some kind of provenance on the idea that like, I have this like historical ownership. Now, the flip this conversation a little bit in the sense of, well, who, you know, what drives this market? I, I suggested this earlier and I'm curious, Travi, your take on this as well is like, you know, you and I, you know, you know, transparently I'm advising Travi with, with the journey. And uh, one of the things that Travi and I were talking about early on was I was like, Hey, just, we just have to be very careful that right now the volume trade volume um, is a, is a metric that projects are, are graded against, right? People consider a project, um, you know, and, we, and, and I don't even have to say people, right? Pretty much every tool is ranking projects based on their percentage of volume traded in the last 24 hours, seven, seven days, the last 365 days. But I believe volume uh, of trades doesn't automatically, doesn't, to me, isn't a strong enough signal that it is a great project. It's a signal that if you get in, you can get out pretty quickly because there's enough, there's enough demand for it to go in and out. But, you know, Travi, when you were doing with the journey, we, we decided to roll out an idea of kind of like a, um, we could call it like a dark social or an invite only list for people to buy the NFT for your project. And, and I told you right out of the jump, I was like, one of the risks on that 
is that we will have less volume because people are going to feel more committed, more ownership to the project. The likelihood of them selling is less. They're also not buying three or four or five or six or 10 or 20. So they're not, you know, they're not um, aping in to kind of, you know, flip a couple. And I'm, and I'm, by the way, I'm very pro buy three, flip one for a small profit, find another one to cover your total, you know, your total costs and then hold on to one because now you're free rolling. I mean, I, that's my entire, you know, NFT strategy. But Trevi, you know, let's not talk about artists. Let's not talk about music. Let's think about it from the standpoint of like, you know, with your project, right? You have a social good impact on there, right? We want to, we want to not only support artists, but we want to make, we want to, we want to raise funds to put, make sure that the schools um, are able to keep art and, and music and a lot of their extracurriculars still in the school. And, and that has a very beautiful social good component. You know, you are a, a teacher, you are someone that has been, you know, in that, in that space for a long time, but there is something to be said about even doing your model, the, the, the long-term factor is as this project continue to grow and we go from impacting New Jersey to impacting you know, Pennsylvania to impacting more states, there's going to be more people that want in to be able to support. And if 10% of that was going back to your team where you could start to grow, that makes a lot of sense. But now if you're thinking about like every time something is bought or sold in the journey, it doesn't matter for you because it doesn't it doesn't give you any, you know, like you're not getting anything in return and ultimately, you know, there's no way to reward them. How are you looking at Travi, like from like a, a, a pure you know, project founder perspective on like, even like what vanity metrics are going to matter in the future? Yeah. The vanity metrics I'm going by are how many of these programs are not going to be defunded from the schools and how many of these kids are going to be able to not drop out of school because they've got something to keep them in there to, to be creative. You know, I, I have to say like the day that we dropped the journey was the very first day that secondary royalties were not in existence anymore. And that was a, a conversation that I had to have with the dev because it, that's, that just so happened to be the day that he was able to drop it. And he was just like, well, the way I'm writing the contract, you might be, it was this whole conversation. I said, well, listen, I'm going to, I'm moving ahead with this as if there was never going to be any secondary royalties. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the people that were invited to this, to, to Mint, um, especially early on, were people that were supporters of our causes, our missions, or, or literally like a supporter of myself or you, the team, or Tyler Vaughn, the artist. And we knew that going in, like these were going to be people who were going to buy in to support us or, or to support the cause, right? And so I'm looking at it like, well, I could sell a couple hundred now, right? Um, and, and like maybe in the back of my mind, try to continue raising funds through secondary royalties to support the arts, or we can have, we can do it in a really fun way where we continue to reward the earliest holders. We're having new characters as part of like a, a whole storyline that we've got years ahead planned out. These characters are going to interact. So there's new drops and stuff, but it's not anything that like existing holders are going to have to buy more of to stay part of the ecosystem. It's just a really fun way to stay part of it. If they want to grow their, you know, the, the storyline with the characters that are in the NFTs, but it's, it, well, the whole point is like the, the, you're going to have to be creative, right? I mean, yes, there's a lot of OG projects right now that have been doing an amazing amount of volume, uh, you know, having a good amount of um, funds in their pool, to, to do things with their secondary royalty sales and props to all of those projects who have been able to do it for this long. We've got to now, everybody's got to look inward and figure out how they're going to do it. You know, my, my thing was I'm funding it. 
Um, you know, the people I'm working with, we're funding it enough a few years ahead of time so we know where we want to be. But the reality of what I want to do is use the, the blockchain to raise funds to, to do good things for these kids in these schools. So I never wanted anyone to flip it. Like I wanted people to feel like it was a membership because if you look at all the holders of the journey, these are some of the greatest, uh, everybody in, in Web3 is great. Don't, don't get me wrong. But these are some people that you want to be surrounded by. And these are people that believed in me. And these are people that believed in our team, Fanzo. And I think that it's incredibly valuable to have them all as holders. So I never would have expected, you know, the grill sergeant to flip his. I never would have expected spotty Wi-Fi to, to flip his. Like, these are people who we're building Web3 together, and they understand what we're trying to do here. And I, and I hope that people that were relying on secondary royalties find a way to pivot and whether they have to build their own marketplace to do that. That's, that's you know, but I just think I, I never relied on it, Fanzo. And, yeah. Um, I never once, I never once expected anyone to to flip theirs because it's it's kind of a thing, you know. You're proud to be a holder. Well, and you're and you're, yours is definitely taking a different approach, right? And you brought up Grill Sergeant, who's down here in the audience, who happens to be one of the the new core members of Crypto Dads, which most people know if you've listened to this podcast since the beginning. You know that project I owe a ton to because it was my first aha moment. It was you know minting a Crypto Dads, jumping into that Discord. Um, and it was in that first week that I actually had this connection with a dad that was going through a divorce and he posted in there something about it. And I said, Hey, I, I'm going, I've been going through it for five years. I can give you, you know, some of my thoughts. And, and I remember like getting off a of zoom with that, you know, with the gentleman that was in that project being like, dude, this was already an amazing ROI. Like I wished that I had crypto dads when I had got divorced originally, right. That I could lean on another dad. And, and the and the, and I say that, but here's the here's the interesting part on this is like, you know, I I initially you know I had I had a bunch I had like four or five crypto dads, I had sold three of them. I then I had you know had had two for about you know nine months of them, and you know then flip you know bought some more back up to where I'm you know I'm currently holding, uh, I believe five or maybe six um, at the moment. But the interesting part about this was that. Like when when crypto dads the the original founders one of the original founders stepped aside early uh, earlier on and then uh, most recently you know the other found you know they the the other founder reached out to the community members community members were able to step up uh, and take a, on a more role here I will tell you that first day that I found out that that these new founders were you know these members of the community were taking over I went and bought two of those two crypto dads for the sole purpose, knowing that a percentage of that goes to these new founders of the project, because guess what? They didn't have big, like they didn't get handed over an entire giant wad that was from the, the mint or from the previous um, you know, perspective. And so Gregarious, the part of this that worries me is I think people like raising funds for you know, either angel or VC funds for being for a project or you know a, a product or a service is sucks. It is miserable. And you know what? Here's the funny part: is I do not want. To, I've never wanted to be a CEO or an entrepreneur of a of a business that that was that was my lane. Like I I've always said that I have no problem working. You know, if I decided to build something, I would hire another CEO and someone else that would actually knows and loves that grind. Gregarious, you you know, you and I text every single day. And I know what you're doing with Zealous. And I will just tell you, you are a better man than me. Because I, do, I would not want to do that. I have no desire to do that. I don't think my own skill set is there. I don't even have experience doing that. And what really worries me right now is that 
I looked at NFTs as as an ability. This wasn't Kickstarter, right? But in in a way, it was a it was a different path to building a community of success and a business around it in a digital format. And I put this tweet out earlier today, and you know, and I'll challenge anyone that's listening live or those that are listening now. There's two different things that I'm curious about, right? Like, I'm curious. Can you think of an example right now in your life? In the Web 2 world, let's throw out NFTs, throw out crypto, throw out metaverse, all this nonsense, right? And think about in Web 2, is there a community that, that if you are, are you a part of something where a product or service makes you feel like you're a part of a community, where you feel like you're able to, to connect with like-minded individuals, but you also feel like you have ownership in the success of that brand being successful? I can't think of one off the top of my head. Like I, I, you know, like I'm a Chipotle fanboy. I eat Chipotle three days a week. I should have like, I should have massive, uh, you know, interest in that company. I should have NFTs when I, you know, I started eating Chipotle when I realized uh, I needed to lose weight back in the day when I, I decided to go to Atkins diet and eat Chipotle five days a week and just skip the rice. And I just got, you know, meat and cheese and corn. And, and, and I like, you know, was all in. And I know Drew's in the house too. And, and Drew, Drew is a fellow uh, Chipotle fan. And I love, love Chipotle's content. I have, you know, Chipotle sent me t-shirts before for my daughters and I wear that says, you know, we love burritos. Um, yeah, we're, we're, I'm that much of a Chipotle fan, but there is no like, you know, like I don't, if Chipotle opens more restaurants or the brand becomes more successful or I help more people remember that you should go on and buy the digital quesadilla because the quesadilla is amazing, but you can only get it online. Like me talking about that does not get me any value. And that's what got me excited about this whole space was I believe blockchain enabled something different. And I also believed that it empowered artists in a different way that has that would help move artists from being starving artists to being artists that are rewarded continually for their art being continually valued. And I believe right now, both of those things have been snuffed out. And I understand, yes, we can go back and build a business model. We can think of like this as like a startup. But you know what sucks about that? is there are a lot of great people that could be great founders or a lot of great artists that could be great artists that are not going to have even an opportunity to leverage the blockchain because of these granular decisions. Like who the hell does OpenSea think they are in a way that like they're the, they're the 10,000 pound gorilla, but they also are a 10,000 pound gorilla just decides, you know, willy nilly that everything is the same, right? Every NFT is created equal when we know damn well that all these different projects are differently. And so, Greg, I guess it, it probably comes back to your initial you know, response whenever we got in here, right, where one of the biggest mistakes that we have made in a NFT Web3 arena is that we've painted everything the same color and we, we're almost judging every NFT as if they are equal. And we know that not all of them are equal in, in the utility, the reason that we buy them, the reason that we sell them. And I, I for one, believe that you know that we have to take the power back as as owners as creators as as nft project founders and we need to find a way to reward with utility reward with ways that say hey if you invest if you believe because here's the here's the truth and i know this is long-winded but i it's my podcast so i can be long-winded um but i will say this this part of this that really really you know it just it's just some hard truth if you're listening to this right now and you care about the future of your NFT project over the next three to five months, do not, do not complain if you decide to buy and sell without that percentage. 
Do not complain if it fails. Now, I'm not telling you not to be a part of it. I'm not saying, hey, to each their own, you can make your own decision. But if a project is not able to have enough runway as they're doing what Greg said, Greg was saying, hey, you need to start figuring out ways now, grinding, figuring out new business models, figuring out new revenue streams. But the truth of the matter is, I can pretty much guarantee every NFT owner, the, the minute that something is, is gated to pay, right? The minute that someone says, hey, we're doing um, this really great education for our community, and it's going to charge $20 for everybody that holds the NFT, I can guarantee you people will flip their shit. Because they're like, wait a second, $20 for me to get this interview? I thought I had the NFT. Why do I have to pay? And so we're going to have three to five months of just a, a complete cluster. And it's up to us to decide, are we going to be the vehicles that help to continue to fund this as we figure out a business model? Or are we going to not care? And if, hey, the project fails, it fails, and we'll kind of ride or die. I, I don't know. That's Greg, what's your, what's your thought on that? Because I, I, I hate the idea that everyone thinks they should be an entrepreneur because entrepreneurship sucks. It is hard as all hell. You have to be okay with getting kicked in the nuts at night, waking up to someone saying that you're the greatest product and service ever, and then going to lunch and telling someone telling you, I'm not going to pay you for net 90, uh, and I don't care that I'm going to have to pay a $1,000 fee. I'm going to pay you for six months late, and I'm sorry you have to pay your employees. Like that's, my, like, that's how I think of entrepreneurship. Like I mean, I've been doing it for nine years, ten, almost 10 years, right? But I, I still think that it, it's way too glorified, and add entrepreneurship into web three and we have to try to raise funds and keep you know 5,000 individual holders happy holy hell is that just i mean that sounds like a freaking nightmare to me what's your day greg <laughs> it is a nightmare so i'll give you some some anecdotes i guess right like when you traditionally raise money um you know most uh entrepreneurs do not want to have a significant number of investors on their cap table and you know why because it means that there are more personalities involved and usually there's a lot more paperwork and approvals and objections and other things to handle. Right. Um, so having, if it, there's a couple of trajectories, I guess, in the things you laid out, right? Like it used to be like, uh, when you wanted to raise money, uh, friends, family, and fools, that first category, you know, then sort of angel investors is the next bucket. Then it became, uh, you know, VCs. If you were going down that pathway, we saw things like Kickstarter, uh, Republic, it's WeFunder, et cetera, come around where like sort of individuals, more individuals to participate and invest in projects, right? And Web3 has aspects of this, right? Where folks are in some ways, um, but a very different way, right? Uh, they are not buying equity. They are basically just giving money to a thing, right? Uh, with the hopes, the speculative hopes that the value of that thing will come out. But guess what? That happened with Kickstarter, Right. Um, and uh, Kickstarter was a very successful tool for a lot of people. Was, but also, was. keyword being was, right? Was. <laughs> and, but also, the hard truth is most of the times the project never shipped, right? Um, and, and part hey, of the reason I got a was, notification that I'm going to get my burrito pop holder that I ordered <laughs> four and a half years ago. Apparently, it did actually qualify. I had my wrong credit card on there. So, that, that Kickstarter I funded four and a half years ago to get my burrito in this little popsicle container that I don't have to drain on my hand. I'm actually getting that from Kickstarter <laughs> four and a half years later, though. But, but, but this actually illustrates the point, actually, right? Because it was like someone was like, hey, I have this cool idea didn't know shit about how to make that thing, but they're like, I can make a good video. Well, isn't that web three? Right? <laughs> like, oh my, uh, and then they just, you're giving that, me, oh, you're giving me the worst flat. I mean, did anybody else fund 
that Margaritaville um, cooler that was going to, it literally had a blender on the top. It had like a beer pong funnel on the side. It had a generator underneath of it. And it had, like, it was the coolest damn cooler in the history of all coolers. It would make my Yeti look like nothing. And <laughs> I remember, I think they raised nine and a half million dollars. And then they figured out that it would cost 24 million to make. Uh, and then they just kind of pulled the plug. So thanks, Greg, for that flashbacks. And I, like, I mean, I just literally got heartburn because I wanted that damn call. I, I got that email. I was like, I'm going to get my money back. I was like, I don't want my money back. I want that damn video. I want the cooler that was in the video, to your point. Right. Exactly. exactly. That was Web3. Exactly. But that is very reminiscent, right? Like if we look at this idea, um, and it's interesting because, um, you know, here's the thing. This is an inevitable sort of process we're going through. Right. Like in fans, to your point, you know, you've been an entrepreneur, you've had to grind it out. You know, like you also played poker professionally, you know, and everyone I know who ever did that, you know, when people hear about it, they're like, that's not freaking awesome. Right. Like, and no, it's a grind, right? Like it's all day grinding. You're averaging out a week. You take a beating one day, two days in a row. You want to hate yourself. You know, you maybe get back to even that's what most of this is like. And so like, with Kickstarter, a lot of people for the first time had access or experience to what it's like to build things. And guess what they learned? It's hard, right? Um, now people don't want to go to Kickstarter as much, right? With Republic, people got to, like regular people got to invest their money and then they learned that, hey, most of this shit doesn't work, right? Okay, we learned that. The thing that people need to get used to is that if you want to call yourself a holder, but what you view that as is ownership, then you need to roll your sleeves up and do just as much work that you don't imagine, right? To make that thing successful. If that's your goal, if you truly believe in it, you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to grind that thing out and make it work, right? Get in there, work your way to the top, become part of the project, become part of leadership, right? Et cetera, right? We have many, many friends that have done that exact process, right? And when you get there, you're going to find out that it really sucks, Right. Uh, all that hard work that you think you did was to get to the top where you have an entire universe of hard work on top of you, right? You thought you were fighting before, you're going to see something in totally different, right? We were just uh, sharing, a, I was sharing a, a a tweet that, you know, someone made a comment that like, if, if Kevin Rose, who's a successful entrepreneur, tons of investment backing uh, in the past, tons of exits and tons of capital now, can't get this to work, everyone else should maybe come back in two years, right? And is he right or wrong? I don't know, maybe a little bit of both, right? Like, you just got to reset expectations, because this is just not easy stuff. This is entrepreneurship in all of its worst parts laid out bare, except being done by first time entrepreneurs and founders who've never experienced most of the problems that come with running a business. Right. And I don't care if you're an artist, you're still a business person. I tell you this all the time. If you're a creator, you're still a business person. You know, if you are an NFT founder, you're still a business person. And guess what business people do? They think about what it costs to do the things they need to do. They figure out how to get the money to do it. They sell, they borrow, they steal, they lend, right? Uh, they suffer through, they pay themselves last. They, you know, they take beatings, they take feedback, they take all kinds of bad, 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 bad things over the course of years and years and years before they maybe see a glimmer of hope, right? And so everyone just wake up to that reality, right? Like, don't look at it like I'm holding a project and you're entitled to something. You're not. You gave them your money. It's over, 
right? Like that's what they say about angel investing. When you angel invest, you should write that money off, right? Because 99% of the time it is not coming back to you. And so don't mess around with your money if you can't lose it. We tell everyone the same thing about NFTs because it's the exact same thing. They're businesses and you're investing in a business. And if you don't know, it doesn't matter how wide-eyed someone can dream, how well can they execute? Ask that question before you ask anything else. Oh man, I, I hate having to do this, Greg. I hate having to admit that that you are right. Um, that like pains me because, you know, the the part of this that is so val- like I, that whole thing was such a uh, you know a perfect you know kind of way to, for people to think about this. Like ownership, what does ownership mean, right? Ownership means you have you you get the benefits of the success of the project. But that also means that if you believe in ownership. You also have to take in. You have to be part of the reason. The reason that the success exists, and I will give you an example for everybody that's listening. You know, Drew and I, when we first went to New York for NFT NYC the very first time, um, I nagged on Drew for a long time to get a crypto dad. I kept nagging and nagging and nagging. Um, I'm like, dude, you need to get a crypto dad. You need to get a Playboy Rabbitar. Uh, I finally got him to buy one. And then we were we both were sitting there at the bar and we were both a little frustrated because Crypto Dads at the very first NFT NYC did not do a party or a meetup. They did not organize anything. And we were both sitting at the bar and I looked at him and I said, well, I guess we can't really complain because if we consider ourselves owners of Crypto Dads, we could have organized that. We could have actually brought all the people together because let's face it, if we'd done that, it would have made a better benefit for all of us holders and we would have taken on ownership. And I remember Drew and I kind of like laughing about it, like, oh shit, like at first we were blaming crypto dads and then we realized, wait, if we are really owners in this, then we have to take that ownership responsibility. And 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 Greg, that that is a big piece of this, right? Because you shouldn't get ownership benefits without ownership, you know, let's just say skin in the game, right? And I, I don't, I hate that phrase and I hate like, because I believe skin in the game doesn't mean just the money you invested, right? It can be the time, it can be the services, it can be the value. So I, I mean, I will say I, uh, you know, we did episode 400 uh, of the podcast the other day. And, and for those that are listening, you know, live as well as those listening on the podcast, we are doing a little giveaway for um, where, you know, I have uh, my art collections up on different pro- uh, platforms. But I, I decided to sell one of them at the cheapest that it would let me uh, at 0.009 Ethereum. It's it's a, in my ADHD is collection. Uh, and I'm going to do a giveaway. So once we sell 50 of them, there's only 93 of them. It'll be the only uh, AI art that I ever release at that amount. Uh, every other project are either one of ones or one of 11s. But um, of that one, there's a it's a one of 93, but I'm going to use that as a as a token for some cool things that I have coming with like a burn mechanism uh, where you're going to have to be able to burn a squirrel and I'll explain about that. And you're going to actually have the opportunity to get one of one art, not just from me, but from a couple other collectors that I uh, that I'm a big fan of. But um, with that being said, for anyone that, you know, when we get to 50 of those sold, uh, I'm going to give away um, a couple of meta athletes uh, out of my own personal wallet. Uh, and then we sell out all 93. I'm going to give away five meta athletes, and I'm also going to give away one of the 101s um, that I have in my in my uh, possession as well. So um, check that out. For me, it's a it's a way of not only driving some um, traffic onto my known origin page because then it pushes us to trending where more people get to see the art that I've been working on, um, but it also just another way for I want that token in people's wallets that are listening to the podcast because I want to be able to reward those that are holding that uh, in the near future. And with that being said, like I, I will just say, like the there are some there are some projects right now that I I believe have the have the 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 correct building and the correct like setup 
for success in this near future, right? And I will tell you, um, you know, one of them that, you know, immediately comes to mind, and many of you, you know, you heard uh, ALIF1, you know, uh, A1 on, uh, from Ape Liquid. Like, I believe the Ape Liquid model, where not only do they have a a game with burn mechanisms and uh, additional things that have been minted and and projects that are coming out, but they also have the the token, right? The metal token that is the ERC20 token that is also another way that can can be part of this whole conversation, right? So the the funny thing about this, like, NFT royalty conversation is it's actually going to push people to, uh, to, to relook at coins, right? And also going to push people to relook at you know, what, what I believe as gated metaverse or graded, gated uh, digital experiences uh, as a way. I think they're also going to find ways to, you know, to do one-of-one collaborations and do some of these, these other things that are outside there. But I think, you know, I think Ape Liquid, you know, I think um, uh, Pudgy Penguins is another one. That, you, know, you know, even the, the Sappy Seals, you know, I've listened to their founders recently and they're, they've been planning to kind of phase out the need for royalties completely for many, many months. Now, will they be able to execute on that based on what they're doing? And I, and I want to throw this out here as a, as a last kind of example that I've heard many, many times, is that one of the big things that, you know, that I loved about Goblin Town, and most people know, you know, like, I still hold, you know, I, I minted Goblin Town, and then I sold it, and then I'd buy back in at a much higher rate. But, um, you know, Goblin Town, when they originally minted, it was 10000 for free, but 10% of the collection was automatically put into a community wallet. And they were very strict on what they put out there. They said, for the first year, nobody, none of those first 1,000 will be able to be sold. None of them are going to go back into the market. But they are going to be set, sent to team members' wallets after that first year. And then they'll have a slowly, you know, kind of rollout of the, of the team being able to sell off some of their collection. And I will tell you, I was in a space with Webb, um, who is the founder of Sappy Seals. And he said a couple uh, months back, they went in and just started buying up the floor and owning the, their own collection with their own money um, to hold their own NFTs, where they've bought, I believe, over 5%. Uh, and don't quote me on the exact number, but I, I believe he said it in the space. Like They own like 5% of that floor now, right? Now, that, of course, opens up a whole other gate, right? Where all of a sudden, if you see the founder wallet start listing the NFTs and like what price can they list them and they should they list them on the floor should they list there's like a whole lot of like really more gray area that we're adding to this equation but I do think that's a model for for projects moving forward right moving forward if you are very if you manage expectations you are very transparent and clear and you simply say hey we are going to mint th- there's going to be this total amount in the collection, but we are going to hold on to some of them, and we're not holding on to them for just giveaways, but we're going to hold on to them because we, as this success continues to happen, and we are able to kind of go along on this journey, we are also going to be able to sell some of these to cover some of our costs, right, and be able to, you know, maybe maybe they're putting them into their, their staking mechanism, maybe they're, you know, burning them for their own um, way of doing it, and so I do think that is something um, that will be a little gray area, but I think managing expectations and transparency is kind of the key focus there. So um, with that being said, um, Travi, any final thoughts on this um, other than, um, you know, is Web3, you know, doomed? Is the blockchain useless? Uh, should we just go back to, um, you know, Kickstarter videos and putting our money in shit that I don't even know if it'll ever be delivered? But I, at least I did know that if it wasn't delivered, I was going to get my money uh, kicked back to me, even if it was four years later. Uh, Travi, what's your take or what's your thoughts on, like, where we're at moving forward? Yeah, man. The Kickstarter is definitely a vibe. Um, yeah, but you just reminded me, man. Like, we did the same thing with the journey. Like, we we were only going to release a certain amount and hold back some. That's probably where I got the idea was probably when you reminded me that 
Uh, that's what Goblin Town did. But, you know, I, I think that there's a couple different things you guys hit on. And to take to take it home, you know, Greg said something really interesting earlier, which was you already spent money on an NFT. It, it, that, that's that's your uh, that's your engagement, right? That's that's your relationship with the company. I think that a lot of us, as long as we're looking from now into the future, not looking at that secondary royalty component, really just looking at like the, what do what do we really logistically want to do with what we're doing here in Web three, and we're transparent enough, and that th- those days of those roadmaps of of not being delivered and over promising, under delivering, like that was that was a, a a time I don't even want to think about anymore. So we've got we've got something real going on here. And, you know, you and I talked about this recently. I'll, I'll end with this, too, because I just re- talked about this on podcast with you. The, the, what we're doing with the journey to raise the funds is really using the blockchain for the best possible way, like the transparency, the splitting of the wallet, the funds that are going to the, to the places that we wanted to go for the kids. And this is the first time, really, that we're opening it up to people outside of the invitation list. So if anybody listening right now wants to get involved at ogjourney.com, like any anybody that mints that's listening to this, Fanzo, we're going to gift them one of our own from our treasury. So everybody that mints one will now have two. And that's a way, too, of just reminding people, like, your relationship with the company doesn't have to be done. Your relationship with the company doesn't just have to be, hey, give me your ETH, and then it's through. Your relationship with the company that sells you an NFT is up to really the company and the advising team and the people that are there at the top. So they just got to be a little bit of a different structure from now on. So if anybody wants a free one, in addition to the one that they purchase, it's ogjourney.com. Fanzo, thank you for everything you've done advising me through this process. But there's a, there's a lot that we can keep doing. I don't think Web3 is dead. I think, I think we're consolidating and I think we're going we're gonna to boom up. It's just going to take a minute to get back on track. I love it, Travi. I love it. Uh, Gregarious, uh, I'm curious, are you are you going to start opening up with Zealous uh, a mental health uh, section where you're going to help all of us that are now having to raise funds um, and deal with, you know, pretty much the most impatient human beings in the face of the earth, which are all of us NFT owners. Um, while we don't want to give you any more royalties on sales, we still want you to deliver. Uh, I'm not sure, Greg, is that in your roadmap with Zealous and uh, what you have moving forward? What's your thoughts? <laughs> no, uh, unfortunately not. I think, um, I, here's the thing. I think, like, for example, even with Zealous, our job is to just make you a better marketer because it's an important role, right? And most folks don't do it. And so I think what smart project owners, holders, et cetera, are looking for are both ways to streamline processes and ways to, you know, get more leverage for the effort you put in, right? Um, You know, if you come to a space, but don't share it, right? Um, You're just listing out on a, on a simple opportunity to help evangelize, right? If they're looking for questions and you don't volunteer them, but you know, they could be there, right? Um, If you have questions and you don't ask them, but then you complain about them right later, these are all ways that we can be more proactive. And I think, you know, we, this is, if this is truly a team effort, if we want web three to survive, because that's how we view it. Um, then we got to start acting like a team. Right. And I think we're just not doing enough of that uh, currently. Well, I mean, that's such a, I mean, great way to kind of pull this whole conversation together. Right. I think it is, you know, not only as a team, but like we can all do our part in our project, right? Like even if we feel like, okay, well, I, you know, I'm not going to have additional funds, 
um, to be able to, you know, maybe opt into some of these other models, what else can I add? What else can I be a part of? Right? Like I will tell you, you know, if you want to help the podcast, you know, like we love reviews on Apple and love people to sign up for our, our newsletter. Right? So each time, if you believe in this podcast and you've been getting this content for free, <laughs> free, um, free, uh, did I say it was it, that the podcast is free? Um, you know, in all podcasting arenas. And just to be clear, we did 400 episodes in 467 days. I did the calculation this morning, and that actually kind of blew my mind. 400 freaking episodes in 467 days. There's nobody, zero, no other project, no other podcast, no other morning show has delivered that in 467 days, and I'm very proud of that. But just for that example, right, like just sharing out the newsletter, right, getting people to sign up for the newsletter so that they're more aware of what they're doing, that's a great way to help us out, right? We sold, you know, we had the ADHD coin, and so many of you supported that, and I, I looked at that as such a, a beautiful component here. And unfortunately, you know, we got rug pulled by the the the, the VC backed, uh, you know, project that existed as known as Rally, where they pulled the rug out from under us because they own the contract, and unfortunately, you know, Rally doesn't exist, but like for me like that that does mean like okay now we pivot and we're we're looking at new things right like i happen to have you know the ai art where i'm pushing that part forward but i will tell you like supporting and buying the ai art is also just another way of supporting you know me as a as a creator it's helping me to be able to spend more time doing a lot of the things that you know people love and and i will say thank you travi thank you gregarious for for both jumping up here you know both of you have been co-hosts here on season two uh both of you having me guests in season one um which i'm very you know thankful for that you know that road that we've um also been on and i and i will say you know I really love the the feedback from community. I've got a lot of messages recently, um, just in the last like week, of people just you know complimenting season two, but also reminding me that like, uh, and, and and they they say Brian, this is no shade to your co-hosts or the people you're interviewing, but we kind of miss the solo episodes. We like kind of like the 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 solo uh, you know forty five minute rants uh, of me and I and I I mean it means a lot to me though when you say that and um, we you know I. I miss doing those as well, right? Like being able just to kind of riff on a topic. So we, there will be, of course, uh, we'll kill, still sprinkle in a lot of these solo episodes uh, in future episodes of the podcast. But I will tell you, some of the guests we have lined up, holy hell! I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let you guys know we have uh, you know NFT Bark Steve, uh, who is a, a massive leader in this space, uh, runs an amazing uh, morning show. He also happened to be running community over at Starbucks. Uh, is gonna be on the podcast um, this week. We have uh, Betty, the co-founder of Deadfella, is gonna be on the podcast. Uh, you know uh, later next week as well. We have Kathy Hackle, who's known as the queen of the metaverse, who locked in about you know coming on uh, to be a guest on the podcast. We have an executive over from Ledger that is uh, lining up to come on the podcast as well. I mean, just some amazing humans, amazing people. I'm very thankful for all of them spending their time on here. And, you know, I, I will just say, like, as we kind of close this episode, you know, let's also just remember that we, we can't, we, we shouldn't feel obligated to, to allow the big players in this space to determine the future and the culture that we all care about. I think part of the reason that I was so freaking fired up and, you know, this weekend I, I wanted to, I, I didn't have my, my daughters. I was working a couple side projects. Uh, I was doing AI art and I decided to be on Twitter spaces pretty much all Saturday and all Saturday evening. And I didn't get, you know, there's no money in that for me. I didn't promote the podcast, but I got on there because there was leaders in the space that really want to share, like, what are our thoughts on here? What are, where can we make an impact? And I do believe in this concept as we is greater than me. And so I think when we comes down to it right now, the we 
That is, those that were complaining about the royalties being baked in, they won. Their voice got heard. They blur pushed the envelope, and then OpenSea, you know, caved in for whatever that you know may be worth. But that doesn't mean that that will be the future. That doesn't mean that's the only way moving forward. I believe we're going to be able to figure out ways to put in contracts to be better, you know, understanding on some of these royalty components. I like the idea where utility can be unlocked based on what you bought your NFT for and how that all worked. Um, I also think we have to be open-minded, and I hate saying that because, you know, for some things that like I I've disagreed with, you know, since the beginning, where you know people had put out there and said, what if we just disabled royalties for people that sold their NFTs at a loss. And I hated that idea because I was like, wait a second, people are going to gamify that. But maybe that is a, a bridge, right? Where if you're selling it at a loss, maybe the royalties fall off. But if you are selling it at a gain, um, you know, or, you know, at any profit, then the royalties kick on. But who knows how that kind of gets implemented and all those things moving forward. But more so than anything else, I think it's probably important for everyone to kind of, you know, if you're looking at NFT projects now, Really ask yourself, like, if I'm going to be an owner, what's my role? And if I'm not going to be an owner, do I trust these projects to be able to create a business that not only, you know, not just trusting the founders to be able to do it, but do they have the holders that are willing to come along and, and, and implement? Because there are a lot of big projects that I believe they do not have very loyal holders. They have a bunch of holders that have been riding the train to, to Moontown and they don't really give a shit about utility and all these other things. And guess what? They're going to start to give a shit because when those teams are going to have to start dwindling and laying off people because they don't have funds and they, their model is kind of broken, a lot of these projects that have maybe high floors and high um, individual holders, uh, I think they're going to see some pain points as well. So you know, just do your own damn research. Uh, protect your bags. Uh, you know, this is you know a space. I I love chaos. I love change, but I also you know big believer in that we can do what's best and we can maximize this technology as a whole. So, thanks everybody for tuning in for uh, this episode of the podcast. We are recording it live on Twitter Spaces, so we'll take some questions or bring some people up in the audience that want to share their thoughts uh, as well. So if you you know if you want to do listen in on the podcast or listen in on our Twitter spaces that we do. You know, Mondays, uh, I'm the co-host of, Super, of uh, Alpha Mondays. Tuesday, I uh, host uh, Superpower Hour. I also jump into Ape Liquid Spaces uh, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Uh, jump over to Twitter, make sure you're following. And if you don't know, but you can actually click on the bell and then just click on Spaces. Don't click on tweets. I tweet way too much. For I would I would literally be the guy that drains your battery if you put the bell on for all of my tweets. But if you put it on for for uh, for audio spaces, and you have to do it from your mobile device, but you can turn them on, and then you'll just be notified in your feed when I am uh, in these Twitter spaces. That'll work uh, really nicely. And and lastly, of course, we also have all of our recordings, all the transcripts from this. All of that is up on Zealous. Gregarious is the founder of Zealous. They are doing some really cool things. So we'll have some more updates on uh, Zealous as a product. Uh, if you were doing live content, if you are doing, you understand the harmony between finding a hub for your content, your conversations, and your community. Uh, Zealous is an amazing tool. I'm you know, very proud to be uh, an advisor and a good friend and someone that's been using it since day one. And I really think everyone should check it out. Just go to zealous.one and then backslash at sign whatever your Twitter handle is. And you can make sure you sign up and connect. Greg, did I miss anything on, on Zealous there? No, that's great. Uh, I will say, if you are a podcaster, by the way, we are just, uh, I think we have like 30, less than 30 days left, but you can do unlimited transcription for your all your old podcast episodes. So uh, feel free to get in there. I think you just need to be on a paid plan, but you can uh, connect your RSS feed 
and we will import all of your podcast episodes and transcribe them. So I'm going to go reach out to all of my other daily podcasters so they can, you know, they can import their 467, uh, you know, 400 episodes and 467 days in there, Greg. We'll make, we'll, we'll make, we'll make it. Oh, wait a second. No, I'm an advisor. I say it the other way, right? Like, uh, no, with a big fan of Zealous, big fan of, of, of what that opportunity is. Definitely take up uh, there and that offer. And uh, until uh, next time, everybody, make it a great day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review, like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. Join our email list to keep up with all things NFT 365. We appreciate you spending a little of your time with us. And as always, 